0: Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 503. Love the car that you have. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Ed Archer. Ed, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: Well, I would buckle up if my cars had something to buckle up with. (laughs) All my cars are older than 1928. So, uh, no such thing as a buckle-up seatbelt.
0: No, no. Well, we'll be careful today. We'll make sure that we keep all four tires on the road, but uh, that's pretty funny. I like that. Ed Archer has been an automotive enthusiast for over 50 years. He's the past president of the Model T Ford Club of America, the past president of the Bay Area Horseless Carriage Club. Mid-Peninsula old-timer auto club and a head class judge at numerous Concours d'Elegance events around the country and founder of the annual Santa Clara Valley Model T Ford Club 200-mile cross-country endurance run. I see a little trend happening here, Ed, with uh, Fords and Model Ts. (laughs) He's authored uh, numerous articles in National Automobile magazine and Ed was awarded with a Lifetime Achievement Award. And in 2005, he was inducted into the Model T Ford Speedster and Race Cars Hall of Fame. But more than anything, Ed loves to get into his old cars and go for a drive. So Ed, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your life around old cars and your passion for automobiles?
1: Well, you know, my passion started, actually, I was eight years old. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, wow. nearly choked on that one. Believe it or not, at one time I was eight years old. And uh, anyway, and and my great aunt died. She had a Model T Ford, and it was one of those proverbial cars that was always in the garage. And uh, of course, my parents thought I was nuts wanting that Model T. This was in 1948 when and nobody wanted Model T Fords. I mean, they were they were throwing them away in those days. Yeah. And uh, but anyway, um, and that that was my first real interest that I recognized. And then when I was in high school, uh, this was in the mid to late 1950s, uh, I, I just never had an interest in street rods. And in those days, we didn't call them street rods. We called them hot rods, hot rods and customs. Oh, yeah. And uh, anyway, my interest was in antique cars, right? something that was original and authentic and, and represented a time period the time period for me i i just love vehicles and the and the whole era from you know i say the turn of the century 1900 up to 1927
0: it's really cool and one of the reasons i wanted to have you on the show as well as uh, one of my past guests recommended that i talk with you is you've been so involved with the car hobby through all the clubs and everything and it's really great for listeners out there to know that Even if you can't go out and have the car of your dreams, you can get involved with these organizations, these clubs. You can participate, you can go to their events, you can donate your time, help other people out, and at least be around the cars. But uh, we'll learn a lot more about you as we move through our talk here today. But first, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Ed, hop into that old Ford Model T and take the wheel.
1: Well, I'm not sure where to go with that. I mean, I've just been, it's just, it's a passion with me. I love, I love the whole era. I mean, it all kind of starts, for me, it kind of starts with the era rather than the car. And so, uh, so when you see me in any of my cars, you're going to see me dressed in period attire uh, and, uh, that's kind of been where it's at, and, and I like to keep my cars, I like to keep them period correct. Mm-hmm. Um, all of, even even the antique race car we have, 1915 uh, Model T Ford, um, all period racing equipment. It's not a, a race car, a period race car that's got an alternator and, uh, and a bunch of modern components on it. It's all period racing stuff that they raced back in 1915 to actually uh, as late as 1920. Sure. So, uh,
0: Do you take your
1: car out to the racetrack and do you race it? A, a vintage race or a historic race, uh, that, that car, a lot. In fact, we've been racing that car for geez, 40-some years. And, uh, and actually, I mean, you know, when you say, do we race it? You have to call it, I mean, I, I call it gentleman's racing. Yes. Because it's not the type of thing, when you get on the track with, like, 30 other cars of of that era, you're not, I mean, even though, yeah, you would like to win the race, but you've got to recognize the fact that you have no roll bar, no roll cage, no protection, and so you can't afford to get too close to one of the other cars, and when you're going into a turn, if your car happens to slide a little bit, and you're alongside of another car on the inside, and you're sliding out, you could—that could be the end of your life. Yeah. So you're driving a little more cautiously than you would in an all-out, flat-out, just oh yeah, we're out here to racing <laughs> and win. Uh, you've got to bear in mind the fact that. Safety first. I want. I want to finish them. I. I have a one mantra I have when I'm racing, especially, and that is: if you don't finish, you're a loser.
0: <laughs> I love that. Well, you've raced at Laguna Seca at the Monterey Historics for years, right? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I've seen you there uh, many times. You're dressed in your white overalls. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. And you have yeah. got your period uh, goggles and your your leather flying yeah. aces helmet on, and uh, you know yeah. you. You are just quite a character. I mean, you really bring a smile to my face, and I I believe a lot of people who see you at that race and have seen you over the years. I mean, you are period correct. So thank you for bringing us so much joy, and and I really enjoy watching those older cars go around the track, and I sit there and go, man, don't do anything wrong. Oh, my gosh, (laughs) it looks so dangerous.
1: In those days, your leather crash helmets or your, actually your head was your crash helmet. Yeah. That was it.
0: Yeah, that was it. I think that leather was just to keep all the all the stuff in one place when they picked you up off the track. Yeah, wow, right. crazy. Well, let's go back in time. You talked about getting that first Ford Model T from your aunt, I believe it was. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for these cars? Is there a pivotal moment as you look back when you said, oh, my gosh, I'm a car guy?
1: Uh, you know, it's it's really hard to... To say that, except again, probably when I was in the second or third grade, I've got a couple of things that I drew, the artwork, you know, and drawing, why would I have drawn a, a, an antique car in a picture? I'm not sure, yeah. you know, where all that comes from. and well, I think it, it probably, start, the whole passion probably started with my parents, because my dad was born in 1904 and my mother in 1911, so the 19 the teens and the 20s was their heyday, and you listen to all those stories, and they're all fun and uh, a lot of fun, and and you can't help but think, wow, I'd like to relive some of that.
0: Absolutely, what fun!
1: And my and Model T Fords. I mean, one of my I have, I have cars other than Model T Fords, but I have to admit my favorite. My favorite car is a Model T Ford because it is Americana. Yeah, I mean when you look back and when you look at old photographs, every photograph you see, if there's more than one car in there, you're going to see a Model T. Because yeah. in nineteen by 1923, 50 percent of the cars in the world were Model T Fords.
0: Wow, isn't that incredible? Wow, yeah. Well, it's it's a tremendous heritage to uh, innovation and thoughtfulness and the car industry for us Americans of course and for the world but it's absolutely spectacular and I would love to take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and crawl under the hood and talk a little bit about a, a huge challenge you faced along the way could be in your career could be in your life but the most important part of this is how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you?
1: Well you know I, I really I've, I've thought about that I and mean, I don't think I have any definite real challenge other than keeping the cars running. <laughs> and, uh, and, and since I like to drive them, I'm not, a, I'm not necessarily a show guy. Uh, to, for me to take a car to a show, it's like, well, I guess there's nothing else going on that day, so I'll take it to a show. But I'll drive it to the show. I'm not going to trailer it. Yeah. Uh, and so when you love driving the cars enough, you've got to learn um, how to keep them running. Mm-hmm. and uh, And the best way the to repair them, to make sure that they stay running. I mean, I don't I don't want to be broken down alongside the road someplace. Yeah, so you do your homework, fix the cars right. and it's good to own dependable cars because there were a lot of cars manufactured in the early days. That were not that dependable. Mm. So, since I love driving them, it's like, yeah, you know, you got to listen, you have to know the right people to listen to. And when I got started in the hobby in the uh, 1950s, there were still a lot of first generation guys alive. And so you could talk to them and find out easy repairs and, and how to drive them properly. And keep them lubricated well. And I mean, you know, they're not a turnkey car. Yeah. You don't just turn the key on and hit a button. Uh, you, know, you have a hand crank. You've got things that need to be lubricated. Today we're spoiled. I mean, I love today's stuff. But, you know, because we can drive 100,000 miles and all we've done in that 100,000 miles is go to Jiffy Lube. Yeah. And <laughs> have them lube the car. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, You know, in the old days, some things required lubrication every 100 miles. Mm, Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, you know, for those folks out there that go, oh, gosh, super old cars are just too much trouble. You can't find the parts. What would you say to them? Uh, Passion.
1: Passion. (laughs) It's a matter of determination. (laughs) Yeah. Determination, sometimes patience, you know, because sometimes, yeah, you, you, you need a certain part. You have to, first off, it's a great asset to belong to car clubs. Yes. Because you're going to meet other people with the same passion you have and make connections. And when I'm looking for a part, for instance, a certain part, I'll get on the phone and network that way. And one guy sends me to another and to another and to another. And eventually uh, I come up with the part.
0: Yeah, it it is really great. It Seems to be a lot easier these days. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to talk a bit about a what I like to call an aha moment in your automotive enterprises. You've been involved in so many things, but is there one moment in time you could think back that really stands out for you as a aha moment in your passion for the car hobby?
1: You know, there there really isn't uh other than my my racing car which I I really like. Uh, the the race car because it's so versatile. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it'll it'll perform at speeds over well, barely over 100 miles an hour, but it'll reach 100 miles an hour. When I found that car uh, in 1968, 67, I guess actually that's when I bought it. I didn't. I found it in 1959, but but the guy wouldn't sell it. But anyway, that was kind of uh, that was really a highlight for me to be able to buy that car and and restore it and. Then uh, I guess the aha moment was with my appraisal business. I'm an automobile appraiser, and, um, you know, I was doing appraisals free for several years for people. And I finally, at one point, I finally just decided, you know, this has become so time-consuming. I've got to put a price on this or just stop doing it. I've always had a natural knack for knowing the values of cars. That just seemed to be—I don't know why—but it just always was kind of natural. And then eventually, in, in the early 1970s, I finally said, "You know what? I, I need to make that a business." And so that's when it—that's when the business got started. The biggest yeah. part of the hobby, and to be able to do the business, I know I've known several people that have that have gone into business, made their hobby a business and then they start losing sight of the hobby. Mm -hmm. I've never lost sight of a hobby.
0: I love having guests like you that have figured out how to wrap their passion for automobiles and bikes and trucks into their vocations, and uh, that's absolutely spectacular. Now, let's talk a little bit about a proudest career moment. I would assume you've had many, and this could be a proudest moment in racing, could be something involved with cars, but is there one that stands out for you you could share with us?
1: Well, you know, I guess the proudest, the proudest moment for anybody is when you're inducted into the Hall of Fame, of yep. any Hall of Fame. You know, it really doesn't matter. And so, for me to be inducted into the Model T Ford Speedster Race Car Hall of Fame, that was a, a quite an honor.
0: Congratulations for that too, by the way. It's spectacular. You know, I mentioned earlier in our talk that I've enjoyed seeing you at the vintage races. I've been going to Laguna Seca for gosh, over probably twenty-five years now, and always see your car in the paddock—that bright yellow car. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Like I said, the way you're dressed and the smile—I think the smile is on your face all the <laughs> time. So uh,
1: I can't help but smile. It's—it's it's so much fun. This whole hobby. It's so much
0: fun. I'll tell you this, Ed, way back when, my son's 22 years old now, but I've been taking him to Laguna Seca since he was about 8 years old, and I think he was 9 or 10, and you were kind enough to let him crawl up in your car. I've got a picture of you (laughs) with him. Uh, I'll have to go and dig that out, but uh, he just smiled about that the whole day. So uh, (laughs) I love the fact that you share that experience with the youngsters as well. Really great. Now let's have a little bit of fun here. You told me about that first Model T, but I'd love to hear about your first really special car. That car that you acquired that you went, oh man, I finally got it. Which car was that? And maybe you could share a story about that vehicle. A
1: 1906 locomobile that I own. Cool. My wife, Karen, and I had looked for several years for a horse, a substantial horseless carriage. Uh-huh. I mean, when you buy a horseless carriage with a lot of brass on it's of course, takes a lot of time to polish. Yeah, And I I decided if I'm going to have to polish brass, it better be a great car. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm not going to fool with it. So anyway, we had searched for several years, and, and we found uh, at one time I had to go down to Southern California, and I walked into this warehouse, and here was this great big horseless carriage sitting there incredible car just loved oh wow what a great car boy would i love to own that well it was not for sale but when i came home from that trip told my wife about it and of course when i told her it wasn't for sale she said well why why are you telling me about it then (laughs) and i said it's just a great car well about four years later a friend of mine and it wasn't a real close friend at that point otherwise i'd have known he owned it he owned a 1906 locomobile. Oh wow! And he and he said, uh, "I'm having uh, some financial problems, and I got to sell the car." And I did not relate that to the car that I had seen uh-huh. until I actually went down to his place and saw it. And when I went down to go down and saw it. I said, "That's <laughs> the car." So anyway, uh, uh, being able to buy that car was that that's the greatest car ever.
0: Yeah, really fun. I'll tell you a funny story about those cars. Uh back to my son and taking him to Laguna Seca. Again he was a young man and we were walking around and we saw a, a locomobile there and he walked up and he looked at it and he looked at him and he said locomobile. He just he said and he was taking some Spanish in school. He goes, Loco, doesn't that mean like crazy? Is that like a crazy yeah, car?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy car. Right. Yeah it is.
0: <laughs> it is a little bit. I know, yeah. I always laugh at that. Well how about a car that you've owned that you've let Go that old seller's remorse story. Is there one that got away that you really wish you had back in your garage?
1: It's really a it, it it it's really a stupid car, uh, <laughs> a loco <I> mean, car, <laughs> because it it is it's a nothing car. But I really liked it, except it was the mechanic's friend. Ah. and one of the things that I haven't mentioned previously is I hate working on cars. Hmm. <laughs> I love driving them. I hate working on them. So I anyway. I had a 1925 Hudson Coach. Oh wow. A coach. A coach is a two-door sedan. In those days, they called them a coach, and it was a beautiful restoration, but mechanically, it was a problematic car. And Hudsons were not problematic, so this just happened to be one that was that that was. Anyway, I sold it. We had it for a couple of years, I think. Back in the early 1960s, and uh, and I sold it, and it unfortunately it went into bad hands and uh, deteriorated. Uh, otherwise, boy, if that car was in the condition I sold it in, I, boy, I would buy that car back. Yeah. I, I just like that car. Yeah. And uh, but I didn't like it enough to be searching out another one and do it. I've just moved on to other cars. But if I look back and say, is there any car that I really regret getting rid of? And I'd I'd have to say, no, except the Hudson. Yeah, I really like that Hudson.
0: Yeah, it's funny how those certain cars, even if they're not spectacular in in some senses as far as a collectible car, how they kind of stick with us. So fantastic. Yeah, Yeah, very cool. Now, how about current projects? Looking ahead, what are you doing these days? What's coming up this year that really has you excited?
1: this year is kind of a, a down year. We were going to drive one of our cars to New Mexico, and it turns out that the event falls just prior, or just after, uh, a fam- or during, actually, our family reunion. And I, I can't miss the family reunion. Sure. And so anyway, so I have to trailer the car to New Mexico, which I hate trailering. Mm. I love driving. So I was looking forward to that drive, but but we're not going to be able to do it.
0: Yeah, but you're still going to participate.
1: So, for, well, I'll be there, and we'll drive it. It's a, a four-day uh, national tour, and uh, so we'll be driving for four days once we get there. Mm-hmm. But uh, but actually, uh, to get there and back, I have to put it on the trailer. Other than that, uh, actually, my, my son-in-law has a, a Model T Ford race car that was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and so... We are going to go back to that. The induction ceremony is in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to take both his car and my car back there. But we're, we we have a time constraint, so we have to trade on.
0: Well, again, at least you're participating. You're going to get to be there. That's great. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Ed. If you were a car, what kind
1: of car would Ed be and why? I would just be a common common ordinary car i mean because that's just the kind of guy i am anybody that loves model t fords most of the time yeah i'm just you know i come from a common ordinary household my parents were um low middle income nothing special and that's kind of what i'd be (laughs) i'd be a model t ford (laughs) or the hudson the 25 hudson yeah
0: yeah that's cool well i'm glad you added that at the end So, Ed, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah! listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers, And they're crafted to fit like a custom suit with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front-end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories Made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, cars yeah. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Ed, we are back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Sure. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Oh, boy. That's a that's a really a tough one, uh, because I don't I hardly listen to anyone. <laughs> I, I do my passion, you know, and so somebody could say, actually, I, I guess I would say I give more advice than I receive, and and important automotive advice. I mean, uh, automotive advice. If someone were to tell me do what I currently do, I would say that was the best automotive advice you could ever get. (laughs) And that advice is buy the car and own the car that you love. It doesn't matter if anybody else loves it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I have
1: through the years, I have met so many people that have purchased cars because somebody told them that that's the great car. That's, oh, that's what you should own. You know what? It, and and uh, most of the time, it's some substantial car that they're not really in love with. Yeah. And they, they bought it because, oh, it's going to be worth more money. You know, if you're buying a car because it's a financial thing, don't do that. That's yeah. not a smart thing. You've got to have what you love. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, how about a personal habit? Is there a personal habit you believe has helped you along
1: the way in your life, in your career? Patience, time, and patience.
0: <laughs> yeah, especially with old cars. Very important. Really,
1: you know, you really have to be patient mm-hmm. and uh, and know what you're know what you're driving and drive accordingly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. How about a resource? Is there a resource out there? I mean, you're a member of so many clubs and different organizations. Is there one or two that stand out for you that you think the Cars show listeners would enjoy get involved with?
1: Join a club that relates to the cars that you love. Hmm. And and as you said earlier on, it's not you don't have to own the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have the passion, join the club that relates to that passion. Yes. And whether it's a a single mark club, like the Chevrolet Club, or the or the Cadillac Club, or a a multi mark club, the Horseless Carriage Club, you know where you're you're gonna be in if you're if you join the Horseless Carriage Club. You're gonna love cars that are built prior to 1916. Mm -hmm. So if you love that early stuff, that's the club to belong to. You like classic Chevys? You want to belong to the 55 through 57 Classic Chevy Club. Yeah. Or you know, there's there's just so many clubs out there. But I think it that's you know it's really important to uh, to belong to an organization. That's where you're gonna meet people. That's where you're gonna find parts and or leads. Two parts, yeah, where somebody one person is going to say, and there was a time when I needed a set of wheels for my nineteen twenty six Rolls royce, and everybody said, "Oh, you're never going to find those no and and so anyway, through word of mouth and phone calls, and I finally found a set in Pennsylvania.
0: <laughs> there you go, yeah, clubs are a great way to go now how about a book? Is there a book that you've read recently that you think the cars yeah, listeners would really enjoy?
1: You know, my books are so focused on uh, on a certain era and a certain type of car. The book that I that I really like a lot is called "The Saga of the Roaring Road," mm. and it was written by Fred Wagner. And Fred Wagner was the started the official starter for all the races from you might say from the turn of the century. All the way up to I think he retired in, in the mid 1930s.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So when you say starter, what does a starter do? Well, he's not only the flag man, handles the flags, but he does a lot of organizing, a lot of placement of cars. I mean, it was a it, it was a major job, and you get the, the unfortunate part of the job is you you get to know all these race car drivers and uh, and their personalities and. Uh, in those days, race car drivers were, were dying almost every race somebody yeah. was going was to be a fatality because they had no protection and tires weren't that great. So y- your, your good friend that, uh, that's racing, yeah, today is his last day. That's it. Done. But Fred Wagner, his, the book tells his life story from uh, from actually from the 1890s all the way through the 30s, and you get to meet all these different race car drivers, and it talks about different races, and, yeah. uh, and it's it's just a great book.
0: Awesome, great. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at ed edarcher and you can find a link to this book and all the past 500 and. Two other guests that have been here on Cars yeah, on a special place in the Cars yeah website called Guest Recommended Books with quick, easy links to buy the books, including this one that Ed has introduced us to. All right, Ed, we are up to the checkered flag. You're a racer. You know what this means. We're nearing the end. But this last question can be a real doozy to mention another, Mark. If you could have only one collector car, I'm sorry, just one, or collector race car. <laughs> in your garage but don't worry about the price today I'll buy you whatever you'd like what would that one vehicle be and why
1: I love my Ford racing car and and the reason I like it is it's a it's an era thing first off I like period correct stuff and if you're if you're racing a car in today's world for instance I mean I I love, I, I, I can't help but love, uh, if, if you say, which car would you like to have? Would I like to have a 1912 Stutz race car? Yes, but when a, when a part breaks on it, that car could be a part for a year or two. By the time you're ma- having the part made and remanufactured, and then, you're, of course, you're not. you don't have the original part anymore, but you're running a repro part, but... You know, with the Model T Ford, the parts are still out there. Yeah. There were so many of them manufactured and so many Model T race cars that racing parts are still out there. So when my car breaks, and it doesn't break very often, but what it does... I can be back on the road in a week and a half, two weeks. There
0: you go. Well, great choice. It's awesome. I love it when my guests pick cars they already have because I don't have to go buy anything. But it tells me something, that you're a very fortunate man that you've got the car of your dreams already in your garage. And that's pretty darn special. Ed, you have taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew you would. And I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and with the Cars Yeah listeners, is there a parting piece of guidance you might offer us before you drive off down the racetrack in that 1915 Ford Model T race car?
1: Yeah, the only advice again, as I said earlier, love the car that you have, and we we all, I mean, financially, sometimes we can't afford the car we really want, uh, but you know, buy what you what you like and what you can get by with and then if somewhere down the road if you can afford the the right the car that you really want uh, of course get it but meanwhile be happy with what you have
0: (laughs) absolutely be grateful for what you have and what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you does your appraisal business are you still active in that business do you have a website
1: I am still active I don't have a website so it's it's, in, in my case mostly it's word of mouth Mm-hmm. Uh, people hear about my business, but yeah, I, I'm i an automobile appraiser. I mean, they can—I don't even know how they can find me really, other so than I can give like you a phone number yeah. and they can call me.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, and it—it's five one zero five eight one four nine one one. I'm in Hayward.
0: There you go. Yep. Ed is old school, definitely. I'll make sure that that's listed on your show notes page at carsya.com. Just type Ed in the search bar. And that page will pop up with all these great resources he shared with us today. Hey, Ed, I want to thank you for taking a little time out of the seat of your car and for joining me and the Cars listeners today and telling us a bit about your life and your journey. Can't wait to see you again at Laguna Seca next time you're out there. I want to thank you for spending some time with us today. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road.
1: All right, Mark. Thank you.
0: You're welcome.